Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6NERDS5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. I'm Andre Gower. And I'm Ryan Lambert. And you're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic Con 2019 and beyond. I am a host, Brad, and with me is Zach, and we have a guest today, Emil. Welcome, Emil. Yeah. Hey, thank you guys. Welcome to the it's show. Real, it's a real pleasure to be here, and uh, I'm real grateful for the invitation to be here with you guys. <laughs> what uh, what brings you to our show today? Yeah. Why would you come to my basement? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you interrupt my? incessant viewings of useless sitcoms from the 50s you know when people just <laughs> bribe me with candy down to their basements i can't help but resist. it's true i really need to knock that off <laughs> <laughs> he's not leaving trails it's just yeah. like all the candy he buys just falls out of his hands <laughs> oh god where's that tootsie basement? roll yeah. i swear i had that tootsie roll a, a, a treat is a treat i know? don't want to bend over <laughs> <laughs> someone will pick this up yeah exactly <laughs> leave it for the maid <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I you know I was interested in the podcast and saw you guys at Comic Con. I know uh, Brad and um, you know really respect what he does, and you know, I just wanted to come here and just see what it was like and be part of something. Nice. Emil is a stop motion animator. Nice, nice. So yeah. tell us, Emil, what got what got you into stop motion animation? Well, how much time do you have? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Most shows are three hours. So. Okay. So, Began with show sack. <laughs> all right. So I'm sure some of my fans will listen to this, and they might be curious too, and maybe there'll be new people who are interested. Basically, uh, when I was in middle school, this was back about 1997, uh, I had a friend of mine, and he and I were interested in Legos. We were interested in Star Wars and all this stuff, and we had the Micro Machine Star Wars sets. And we also had the action fleet sets and all that stuff. So we were wanting to make a movie. And we're like, how do we do this? So uh, at the time in my house, we had an empty room. And we put the little Lego or the little Star Wars micro machines on the floor. And we just tried making the camera fly around. And, and my friend was just like, no, let's just do stop motion. I was like, what is that? And he's like, all right, let me show you. So we get a camera. He like started and stopped the camera. We moved it a little bit. We did it again. We did it over and over again. These then he like showed me what it does. I was like, wow, you make it look like it's moving. 
So that's how I got into stop motion. And he and I just took off from there. And my dad's really supportive of everything I do. So he's like, oh, you like that? He bought me a new camcorder. He bought me a bunch of clay. And he's like, oh, and he showed me all this stuff with Gumby. And then we started making a lot of uh, really violent, gross movies, which most <laughs> middle or middle school kids would do. And uh, we had a movie called Saving Private Ryan, which uh, or Saving Private Gumby, which I wish I had. Uh, it was about Gumby trying to save Pokey in a uh, in a war zone, and and it didn't go very well for him. Uh, there's a lot of funny ones that we had, but my friend had all those tapes, and he's probably burned them out of embarrassment. I would have kept them. Um, so I I kind of just did it here and there through high school and stuff, and then I went to college and. Then I had a friend of mine, um, he's a thinker. He's always like, okay, like, w- how can I make the most money for the least amount of effort? That's how he thinks. And he's like, you know what? You can do stop motion. You got a bunch of Legos. Let's make a Lego stop motion. Movie. Okay. So, okay. So we got a webcam. We used this program called Monkey Jam. And I went to my friend's house and we filmed it in his room. And it took us about three days, maybe four, without editing. He did all that. And we made this short called The Sound of One Man Snapping, which is on YouTube as the bloodiest Lego fight scene ever. And it ended up getting 400,000 hits. And my brother was like, called me one day. He goes, did you know that your animation's on a Japanese TV show? It's like, I had no idea. He found it. He sent me a link, which I wish I kept. But my dad, at the same time, in 2006, got published with this book, The Nymphos of Rocky Flats. And he's like, can you make me a book trailer? This was about a a vampire detective. And so I had these Lego skeletons. We custom made the head for this uh, vampire Lego minifigure. And I made this short. And my dad bought me more equipment and gave me the studio space in uh, in this uh, apartment that he and I were living in. And so I made this a couple book trailers, which HarperCollins liked a lot. And then I found these little white um, snowtroopers that I made as a kid. Uh, they're just all white and I painted tiger stripes on them and I was like I want to make a movie with these so I got two pounds of cane sugar I made this huge complex and it was about uh, a three foot square set and I just covered it in cane sugar and I just had these Lego snowtroopers raiding this compound just taking out everyone I didn't know what the direction was I didn't know how it was going to go but it got really big on YouTube I think it's like it's got a million views or it's got more than that right now. And, you know, I kind of went through some hard stuff, went through a breakup. I didn't really want to work on any hobbies. And then I just put out what I had. And then people were like, when's the next one coming out? When's the next one coming out? And then I was like, okay. So I met this friend, he had after effects and I was like, Oh, I can try green screening. So I tried a first person shooter. Uh, I didn't work as well as I wanted to, but I continued the story. And then you know, I, I made a second episode, and after that, people were like, when's the next one coming out? So then I just kind of started thinking of the story about it, and it's what became known as the Frozen Terror series because the first episode took place in the snow. I originally wanted the series to be called Apocalypse Lego, but people just referred to it as Frozen Terror. So now it's like Frozen Terror or the FT series. Hmm. So currently, um, I am working on Frozen Terror 6, which will be the biggest Lego stop motion on the Internet. Um, I got a lot of help from actors in Denver, uh, a lot of help from Mike Henderson, who does uh, sound design from Plan 9 Studios, Uh, a lot of great help, a lot of great talent from Denver. And so I've been working and kind of figuring out. I've also custom made parts for Legos, or I didn't make them, I designed them, and then I have Shapeways make them for me. But uh, 
like an arm kit that you use so that you can interchange the position of your Lego minifigure so that they can actually look like they're holding a gun. They can look like they're holding a weapon. Uh, I have a little hand kit so they can hold uh, different objects in different ways. And I just started to um, utilize that in my animations. Uh, and my first real chance with that was when I made uh, Voldemort versus the Navy SEALs or Revenge of the Muggles. And just kind of my take on what would happen if the world of Harry Potter were real and the Navy SEALs would just kind of take out Voldemort and waterboard Lucius. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I released that and I, I used the arm kits and they worked great. And then I had this idea, like, I want to make a zombie movie. So I, w I made Lego Zombie Movie, which is about eight minutes and it's my biggest movie. I, I hit five million views not too long ago, which is really cool. Um, I just uh, I have a lot of uh, fans, um, a lot of really loyal fans, and every time I upload something, they really give me some good feedback on it, and I appreciate that. Um, I just wish that my Patreon was more successful, uh, <laughs> but it's hard because I do stop motion, you know, and I meet people who start new channels on YouTube who do gaming and stuff, and it's a lot easier because it's like you can just record yourself. Right. With stop motion, it's like, okay, I got to plan this video. I got to like set time aside, like outside of work and all these other things that I'm doing. And I got to rearrange my sleeping schedule because I film at night and I got to like film it and it takes a while. Um, and it's not easy. And then when I'm done filming it, I got to edit it. I got to edit each, fi uh, each frame, each picture. Um, and it takes time. You know, if I'm green screening, sometimes I have to go through and just re like, like just cut out the green screen and redo it. So it looks better or like it keys out better. And there's a lot of work that goes into it and right. then not to mention the sound and all that. So, um, so Patreon would be a lot more helpful if it were, if we're, if we're gaining more traction compared yeah. to, yeah, but I, it's hard to gain traction because it's hard to like have the time to really make uploads. Yeah, I do have a new strategy, which I will be implementing. So as opposed to um, doing the whole video and then releasing it, I'm actually going to be releasing it scene by scene. So tonight I will actually begin filming the first scene for Frozen Terror 6 and hopefully have it out in a week. Maybe we'll see if I have the time. Um, so you do a tier like if like if you donate three dollars a month or whatever, you get this much of it and stuff like that. Well, no, I mean, I, I, I don't want to ever like hold my my videos over anyone like for right. you know for ransom or for money <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I, I i i definitely like you know advocate supporting artists that you like and mm -hmm. i feel like i have a lot of fans and sure some of them are kids and they don't have a budget but um i feel like if you really appreciate something that's artistic then you you, you have to make sure the artist can still continue to provide that right and i think that contributing to a patreon or something is just a good way to showing your appreciation saying hey we really like what you do it's true. I actually started doing that for a couple of different podcasts that I enjoy because they're giving me hours of free entertainment during like anything I'm doing, whether it's like day job or passion job or anything like that. And I, I'd, ra I'd rather make sure they keep going than just rely on magic to make it happen. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard. You know, I get a lot of people who comment on my videos and they'll be like, Hey, when's, when's frozen terror six coming out? And I'm like, Dude, I work. <laughs> I work a lot. Like, you know, I don't, this isn't my full-time job. Like, you know, it's, I don't know when you're going to pay my rent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's like that. And it's like, I don't want to feel resentment. You know, yeah. my fans have been really great and they've really carried my channel and helped me get as far as I have. And, uh, and I want to continue making movies. I want to continue sharing that. Nice. 
Um, from stop from a stop motion point of view, um, I'm wondering like, uh, do you have any like influences in terms of like how you determine your style? Like, did you go back to the classics like Willis O'Brien or Ray Harryhausen, or do you kind of just more rely on like what you've seen on the internet to kind of give you inspiration on like new things to try out? Uh, so I, I actually have met Ray Harryhausen. Really? I met him at CU. He came and spoke. Uh, when I was going to stop motion, my dad took me to meet him. I shook mm. his hand. Nice. Really cool guy. I got a couple of his books. Uh, I would like to say that I'm influenced by Harryhausen, but I mean, that guy was just so far beyond anything. Uh, just his attention to detail. Mm-hmm. You know, he studied anatomy so he can build his characters to yeah. be anatomically correct. Yeah. See Jason and the Argonauts for that one. Yeah. yeah. I, he's, he's an am, amazing uh, contributor to film. And, you know, I'm, I'm appreciative for everything he's done. And it's a shame that we've lost him. But he did leave behind a great legacy. As far as things that have influenced me, it's um, my influence is basically I want to make Legos do what I imagined them doing when I was playing with them as a kid. Mm. And for me, that was them being very violent. That was them <laughs> killing each other. That was them being a secret agent and doing action-packed things. Uh, I see a lot of people on YouTube who make great Lego animations, but they have these um, these stories that I wouldn't really tell. They seem very like kid-friendly humor, mm-hmm. very Nickelodeon-esque. And that's great, you know, and they get a lot of views and they they have a lot of fans and support and that's awesome, but that's not exactly what I want. I want to tell a Mission Impossible kind of story mm-hmm. and I want there to be death. I want there to be something on the line and I want it to be funny. And I do have a hint of comedy in a lot of my videos. Um, Frozen Terror 1, they get into an elevator, starts playing elevator music. <laughs> Who has elevator <laughs> music in a terrorist compact? <laughs> It's just funny. I like throwing little things like that in there. I I I, I kind of want a new season of Homeland with that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so basically, my influence is just me as a child. Yeah. And what I wanted them to do. So engaging uh, in that kind of like childhood aspect of yourself and kind of like just letting that flourish and blossom out there. Yeah. Like instead of imagining them do it, I'm gonna create it on film. Yeah. You know. Nice. So. Um, do you generally like, um, when you do it, do you, um, uh, do you like, I've seen a lot of different setups on how they accomplish stop motion today and whatnot. And actually like, I'm sure you've seen it before the King Kong documentary, um, on the, on the two disc edition, uh, DVD that they put out years ago had a wonderful scene on how they recreated a lost sequence from King Kong. Um, and, but they kind of showed the different setups and whatnot. So do you, you talked about green screen earlier, um, with the green screen, do you kind of like shoot in layers and then kind of like composite it all together via that? Or do you like yeah. do it a different way? Um, I'm actually putting together a series for stop motion, mm. like a how-to series. Ooh. And I'm on like the 12th episode or the 12th uh, section of it. And I think there's going to be 22 total. So I'm almost done with it. Well, I made a lot of progress with it, but... Uh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> um, and in there, I, I do talk about all that stuff, how to green screen, how to do your scene setup. It, it's very like you can watch it and you get a lot out of it because you are going to learn like step by step. Like this is like how you set up your stop motion, um, how you make it look good and how to set up your, your stop motion table. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk about like the importance of having a good table and like, you know, weighing it down making sure that um, 
you know, like you have a good background, how to, how to set your background, the distance from the table to make it look like there's a horizon if you need to do that. And yeah. just like everything, uh, for me, I, for the most part, I have an animation table mm-hmm. that I use. I weigh it down. It's on a concrete floor, so there's no shifting. Sturdy as all heck. Yes, yeah. I, I make. Sh- I had to learn that the hard way. A lot of my early animations, like with carpet and stuff, like I'd step by the tripod, it shift a little bit. Uh, and now I don't even use a tripod. I, I have a camera mount that goes onto the table, and I weigh that down too. Mm. Um, and so I, I do everything I can to make sure my shot is still. I, w- I am working on doing uh, moving shots. Uh, Frozen Terror 6 is going to be a lot of that because it's going to be basically like a video game following a character in a third-person perspective through a combat situation. Ooh. So the camera is going to be following the, the commander of this little squad. And so a lot of that is um, what I'm going to be talking about in my tutorials. Like how do you do that? How do you, how do you move your camera and stop motion and stuff like that? So I, I, I touch on everything. Uh, basically though, I have a table, I wait down, it's on a concrete surface. I stream from my camera to my computer. I take all my images from there. I don't touch the camera at all unless it's moving, like I'm moving the the scene. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my backdrop, I have a big wood frame that I made as a backdrop and I hang either a green screen behind it. Or if I have like a, if it's a, like a day scene, I have a big blue backdrop. I put over that too. And then if I have clouds and stuff in the scene, I just put those in and post and something mm-hmm. like After Effects, so that's that's basically the basics of it. I'm I'm really I'm, I'm down with the Frozen Terror because that sounds really awesome, but I'm also down for this uh, How To Guide because those are like things that I kind of like binge on 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 any like streaming site or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, and I'll say like the the reason why I wanted to do the How To Guide was um, I spent a hundred bucks on the Robot Chicken uh, Guide to Stop Motion. Mm-hmm. And I got nothing out of it. <laughs> I got I got like nothing out of it. I maybe mean, that was the joke. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> like like they talk about stuff, but like if you if you're new to stop motion, a lot of stuff they talked about, you're like, okay, but how do I implement that? Like how do I like they they kind of try touching on that stuff, but it didn't really. It seemed like for a beginner, like you know, it's kind of out of your reach. The basic concepts, but they don't like yeah. give you the details almost well, like they don't want to spill their secret or kind of, I mean, they, they talked about some important aspects of stop motion, but like in order to really get good at that stuff, you have to have a lot of practice. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for me, like it's been a lot of practice, a lot of trial and error. I have a lot of footage. Well, I used to have a lot of, I, th- I deleted it, but I had a lot of footage of stuff I would try and it just wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. So I, I just had to do it over again. I'd have to shoot the scene over and over again. And I've done that a lot. And it just takes time and practice to get that down. And now that can be put to better use in terms of giving an example and stuff. Yeah. So with the course, like through, through their course is basically this is our studio. And here's a here's a basically a showcasing of our studio. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, this is how you put your character on the uh, on the set. And it's like, okay, well... Like I just spent a hundred bucks for two hours of you showing me your studio with maybe f- like two minutes of talking about how to do stop motion. Uh, for me, like everything is stop motion from storytelling, uh, like how to use your camera and like all the functions of your camera. Like, how, how, like one thing that I wish I would have known is something about focal length, right? How does focal length affect your shot, especially with something like stop motion? And mm-hmm. I've played around with that. I've I've learned how to make a you know, something like a small Lego scene look like it's really deep or look like it's really shallow. And that's just from utilizing focal length. So I, 
I talk about all that stuff and um, just like anything that I've had to learn, it's addressed in the tutorials nice. or, or it will be when I'm done. And when you watch it, I mean, you may have to rewatch it a couple of times, but all the information is there. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, this is how I get good at stop motion. If you, if you apply what I show in the tutorials and you just practice it, you'll get good at it. Yeah. Actually focal length and even depth of field to a degree. Like it, that's a, the concept that in, in stop motion that I wasn't like familiar with, how do you like explain how to create that until that aforementioned King Kong uh, documentary and, and also some stuff that Tim, I wish Tim Burton would talk more about it in video form about how he does his stuff, but you generally just get clips of here's the corpse bride or here's the, here's Jack Skellington and stuff like that. But like those films, I think like when I'm looking at stop motion for the most part, we it's either that or like a, tend to like have the most innovative cinematography going on about them. And then the case of Lego, um, when I'm seeing like stuff like that on the internet and whatnot, I'm amazed as like it, the, the very, the, it ranges from parody to like straight on s- serious cinematic intent that kind of goes through it. So that's actually pretty fascinating that you're going to tackle that within that, uh, within that series. Yeah. You know, through the series, I talk about like, you know, you got to utilize what's in your budget. Uh, is for some kids, they're not going to have access to a DSLR. They're not going to have access to a, a streaming program. Um, Unless it's Brad. <laughs> he would have found a way. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been, you know, touching on everything, right? Like, you know, using what you have to the most that you can. Mm-hmm. Which is like a filmmaker credo like, yeah. through and through. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, okay. But it's like, okay, if you do have access to these a DSLR. If you can film with high-end cameras, this is how you do it right. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe all you can do is film with a webcam. Yeah. And but I I touch on all that stuff and just talking about um, using what's in your budget and just you know how how do you produce something that you can be proud of and how you, that you how you can submit it. You know mm-hmm. how do you share it online? How do you submit it to a, you know a film festival and things like that? So. Uh, it's it's a very comprehensive course that I'm trying to put together, and nice. I'm hoping it'll be out soon. So well, I can't wait to see it. Um, where can people find your uh, work in the meantime? Um, in terms of like, where's your YouTube channel and everything, and your Patreon page, more importantly, in my opinion. Uh, well, the Patreon page is linked um, on my YouTube channel, so in all my major videos, there will be a link there. But my channel is Virgio twelve twenty eight. It's V I R G E O one two two eight. It's Virgio because I was born on the cusp of Virgo and Leo, <laughs> and I just like Virgio. And then I was like, oh, I like that. So I just kept it. And 1228 is like a mix of my birthday and my brother's birthday. And so it's always been like something my mom has used. Uh, it's like a like a code, like if we had a lock, 1228. <laughs> Not that those locks are around anymore. <laughs> but uh, so I just use Virgio 1228. Now uh, I've gotten my LLC, which is Virgio Studios. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so I do everything through that, but my channel handle is still the same, Virgil twelve twenty eight. And so, but nice. yeah, look up uh, my latest film, which is not Lego Banana Boxing, and it should be like on the first page. Please and tell it, me it's like California Raisins, but with bananas. It, it is bananas going to town on each other <sighs> on a countertop at night, and there's some live action in it. I had a uh, local. Uh, actress uh, Maya Klosterman who came in and did some acting for me and yeah. 
she was really great in it and we filmed in a day and then i took about three days to film the stop motion and then mike henderson did the sound on it and it's a great little short and it'll make you laugh um especially the part with the pineapple just it's funny nice Uh, i do like maya's work too she worked with us on a fake trailer we did for a to DJ that like tries to kill people with his records. <laughs> it's a it's a fun little bit. Yeah, uh-huh. no, yeah, she was great. But yeah, and she also does really great cosplay. Did you did you see her cosplay for this year at mm-hmm. uh, D- uh, Denver Comic Con? Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty, I ran into her. Yeah, it, she came up to the booth and I didn't recognize her at first. I'm recording behind it because I think you were out doing Kevin Eastman stuff, and uh, she she pops in and she kind of waves her like her staff and whatnot. And I was like, who's that? <gasps> Maya. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, she really was uh, into that, that yeah. costume. So. Oh yeah, her uh, she did a she did another one a couple of years back where it was like Darth Maul, female Darth Maul is like really elaborate and like yeah 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 pretty stellar. So yeah, and when I friended her on Facebook a few years ago, that was her profile picture. I remember <laughs> that. Yeah, interesting way to welcome me into Maya's life. Yeah, uh, when you're working with uh, properties like Lego and Harry Potter, like how do you avoid complications like on YouTube and stuff like that? The only issue I've ever had with anything uh, related to copyright was in Frozen Terror 1. I actually don't have the rights for it for monetization. That money goes to, uh, I, I can't remember the name, but the company that uh, made Halo because I oh, use Bungie. Bungie, yeah. Bungie, yeah. Bungie. They, they use, uh, I use one of their songs. And so now they've monetized the video and they get all the money for that, mm. which is fine. I mean, you know, I use one of their songs, but with Lego and with like Harry Potter and there's a lot of like, uh, like Marvel Lego movies out there. There's a lot of Star Wars Lego. Like they, for some reason, I don't know if they just don't care. Star Wars has been always pretty open with the fan videos. Though. Yeah. Mar- Marvel. I don't know what Marvel is. Harry Potter has been litigious as shit recently though. So they have not done anything with my video. They don't care. I haven't gotten a message. They, you know, and I, <laughs> I'm pretty mean to some of her characters. So, <laughs> <laughs> so with like <laughs> movies like the Lego movie come, like out and they, they do all this as just CGI. Like how do you tell someone who like watches your videos and like, it's not, it's not as fluid as like what they can do. And you, um, you seem to have no interest in like pursuing learning how to, to model them in 3D. Like, what's your response to that? Like, why is stop motion better, uh, in your opinion? Because it's a lot more attainable. The idea is, I want to inspire and motivate people who want to be filmmakers and say, like, you can, you can make that. You can, you can make a video that you want. You know, if you want to do it with CGI, you that's a lot of schooling. That's a lot of um that's a lot of time that you have to invest in that. And then you know, you got to apply. Like can you can you get a job at Lego or the you know, any film companies that's going to work with Lego? That's hard. It's competitive. But if you say, "You know what? I got Legos. I got a webcam or some kind of camera. I can make a stop motion movie. I could put it on YouTube. I can tell a story that I want to tell and I can make Legos tell that story." It's it's a lot more attainable, and I feel like uh, for me, it just it adds more to it. You know, like when I watch like um, w- like the Lego Ninjago show, it just looks terrible to me. <laughs> but the Lego movies are really good. But at the same time, it's like I know that it's not stop motion. I know that that's not really Lego. Those aren't real Legos. That's mm-hmm. a computer generated image. But when I have a stop motion, you could say, 
That's what a Lego is doing. That's mm-hmm. a real Lego doing that. That's a real Lego killing that other Lego. Mm-hmm. It's not CG. That's real. Feels more organic, a little bit more real, tangible. Yeah. Yeah. And then that kind of like pertains to that style of like why practical effects have been like like wonderful in our in some of our eyes for the past couple of recent years with big budget movies doing them is because like it it, it feels more honest than yeah. seeing the computer do it, even though the computer can do wonderful things. You know how much better the thing <laughs> would have been if they had kept it with practical effects. Oh, the the thing remake. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Or I, they, it's like the prequel. Yeah. yeah. I I love the movie, but I do think I agree. Like, there's 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 something lost because you're not getting Rob Bottin's uh, effects um, in that original one. Like, I mean, I, I I have two different versions of Carpenter's The Thing. I do not own the prequel, even though I probably should at some point. You know, because I just. It can never have enough evidence of like this is how amazing you can make things look just by applying the molding and I mean it may cost more with material but you can get it done and you can make it look astounding. Yeah, you know, and I mean sometimes you know uh, practical effects like aren't the way to go. Like if you think like uh, Terminator Two, right? I mm-hmm. mean, if it was stop motion, it would not nearly have had as good of an impact. <laughs> would have been extremely interesting, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, so sometimes I think you know it's a there's basically thinking about what your your film calls for right so mm-hmm. sometimes you're gonna need CG uh, I'm not gonna lie like a lot of times I use CG in my videos um, I get 3D objects and I incorporate it sometimes into my videos the Harry Potter movie I have a helicopter uh, everything in the helicopter is stop motion except for the rotors the rotors I did in a in CG or a 3D object that I animated mm. on top of it, and uh, that was a learning process. But I, I did it, and I thought it looked good. And it's just kind of knowing what you need to achieve and the best way to get there. And I think, for the most part, though, I think practical is the way to go. Yeah. And I, I feel like you can you're less likely to mess it up, and I think that you're more likely to make it believable if it's practical. Yeah. I've I've noticed that even with like just small touches in production design alone, it doesn't even like have to do with just animating. It's it's a it's a filmmaker one on one problem to begin with, you know. Mm. You just got to figure out the best solution. And it seems like you've come up with great solutions to any dilemmas you might have come on on your journey. So commendable yeah. and props for that, man. Yeah, I you know I I've had to learn a lot of ways. I'll, I'll give you an example of something I've learned. Um, I wanted to utilize uh, some kind of like blood splatter effect mm-hmm. and when i try to use like red food coloring like it will dry like mm-hmm. s- between frames so it's like you could get this progressive drying from frame to frame of this blood smearing right so like, okay i'm going to use jam or jelly so i went and i'm like okay i need to buy red jelly so i bought strawberry jelly and it looked pink <laughs> so my my <laughs> advice is if you're going to use jam or jelly Get Blackberry. Blackberry looks good on camera. It looks like actual blood. And <laughs> so that's my advice. That's what I had to learn. Lynn's old creed is that Simpsons guy. Cows don't look like cows on film. <laughs> what do you want to do if you do a horse? We just stick a bunch of cats together. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Emil, for like giving us a proper 101 on how uh, stop motion uh, works within the YouTube age and I for mean, that more, for, for that matter, yeah, in general, it's just how I do it. There's a lot of different ways. I'm a one man crew for the most part. So, and really quickly, what was that uh, page again? It's a Virgio twelve twenty eight. Yeah, V I R G E O one two two eight. Awesome. Yeah. 
Thanks again. Well, yeah. we'll um we'll we'll get into the regular show now, and um we'll we'll try not to bore you to death with Brad and ours boring shit. Uh, but we do appreciate uh, any insight you can bring into the following uh, segments that we do today. Uh, Brad, what do we do around here besides talk about awesome stop motion with a meal here? Well, this week we saw Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, so yeah. we will talk about that at the end of the show. And uh, after the trailer, uh, we'll do the spoilers. Mm-hmm. So watch out for that. Uh, Spoiler, he jogs. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't run, just jogs. Lightly jogs. No, through the park. That's not true at all. I just I I like that joke. I wish more people would have liked it. <laughs> um, yeah, but first let's uh let's go around town with me. Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. Going round, going round the town with Brad. I just listened to a lot of Casey and the Sunshine Band today. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) This week, Midnight's at the Esquire, August 3rd and 4th. They are showing uh, the original animated Ghosts in the Shell. Ooh, hot damn. In Japanese with English subtitles. That that remake came out last year, didn't it? Yep. Oh, wow. Feels like it was not that long ago. Uh, And then the following week, um, August 10th and 11th, they're doing the apparently the 35th anniversary of a movie I've never heard of before called Liquid Sky. And it's a trippy, colorful 80s. It's a, it's an underground masterpiece of avant-garde sci-fi filmmaking. Ooh, sounds like David Lynch's Star Wars. <laughs> Maybe. And then the uh, the drive-in is changing it up. Nice. Because they've been doing the same kind of lineup for a while now. Yeah. Well, maybe um, this isn't as different. <laughs> sorry, I got the wrong page. Darn no, it's it. okay. Because uh, right now they're showing Skyscraper, Jurassic World, and Ant-Man. And they're going to change it up to Christopher Robin in The Incredibles 2 and um, Skyscraper. Wow, Disney's saving their ass this year, aren't they? Yeah. Dang. Well, Disney owns all the movies now. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. We're going to be talking about that a little All the bit movies later. that make money. Oh, yeah. And, so. and, and you know what? They're going to get my money this week with Christopher Robin because I'm, I'm just going to – I'm going to walk out of blubbering mess, as I told you weeks before. <laughs> And this uh, weekend, starting on Friday, is the 48-Hour Film Project. Mm -hmm. So um, come to the screenings the following Sunday. Mm -hmm. I think it's August 11th. And you're working on you're working on yours. And um, I got invited actually to help with Jenny Kirstad's for certain parts of it. So I might be traitor. All right, I am I am a traitor. um, But I owe her a favor for acting in my film two years ago. So, and also, you know, I don't have I can't do either the whole time anyway. I found it hard to believe that anyone called in that favor. I think mm. you just don't want to be on our team this year. No, it's not that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know what I said to myself? I hate Brad so much. What team is Jenny on? What's the team name? I don't know the team name yet. I'm only coming on for uh, Friday night, part of Saturday morning, and then part of Sunday because I've got work, so I can't do the whole thing. Hmm. So I'm kind of like pretty much would be the same availability you would have gotten out of me. <laughs> so, <laughs> really And you've got wanna... a solid team anyway. So. Yeah, we got like 20 people. I so really got to jump on that 48 film. You've you done it before? I've never done it, but, you know, stop motion. How much can I do in 48 hours? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you'd you'd be surprised. It, talk to Stranger Studios. They've done animation many times okay. for and, the 48. And it's like insane good animation. Yeah. Of course, they do have many people, so flying solo. But uh, do you know the Fleischmans? Mm-mm. 
Uh, they did like paper cutout, like South Park style animation. Oh, okay. Uh, for a couple of years, and they did pretty well. So. Yeah. But yeah, no, it uh, it'll be interesting. I haven't uh, I haven't done one in a full capacity ever, but I've always kind of like thrown out help mostly to Brad, and now I'm helping on a different group this year. So. Um, but I, I can't do it personally as a whole thing with me being the center creative piece because it just seems too daunting. So, like, I, it, it's best so if I'm words not... words of a quitter. It, no, it sounds like the per, words of a lazy person, which I totally am. Like, you know, there's a difference between quitter and lazy. I just can't stay up more than 20 hours. I will pass out. Yeah, that's another thing, It too. gets way harder as you get older. <laughs> yeah. I'm worried this year. Like, I'm not going to be able to do it. Um Cool. Tying on your deathbed. <laughs> <laughs> Get the edit out. They're filling out the uh, the end of the forty hour questionnaire. Any regret from this year? Yeah, Brad died. <laughs> Deceased crew members. <laughs> Team leader dead. Um, so yeah, that's what's going on around town. Nice. So why don't we find out what's uh, dropping on on the show floor store store floors? This week with uh, DVD releases. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Uh, to quickly, uh, we weren't here last week, but if you didn't already know, you can pick up Ready Player One on 4K, Blu-ray, DVD, all those good noises. Um, you can also pick up uh, In the Mouth of Madness from Shout Factory, Scream Factory, uh, which has been a staple on this show. Um, it's a wonderful John Carpenter film, if you've ever heard of it, Lemuel. Um, and, uh, I had an issue with getting my copy from Amazon cause I pre-ordered it and then they told me it was out of stock when I pre-ordered it. So I canceled my pre-order thinking I'll just get it. I'll just re redo it. And then they tried to get me to reorder it at thirty four ninety nine when it would have been twenty two ninety nine on the pre-order that I initially did. So I'm just going to buy it directly from Scream Factory to give Amazon a little slap in the face. Over um, San Diego Comic-Con weekend, they had Shout Factory at a 20% off mm-hmm, everything. I, I you know. You buy over 60 $80, yeah. $80, yeah, and I, I, I jumped on that. Yeah. So I got a lot, a lot coming. Nice, yeah. I, I mean, I I should have jumped on it, but I was kind of waiting on the waiting on the Amazon train, and I learned my lesson. Um, they, didn't, they announced some really good stuff that we'll talk about in the news. But, um, but this week from Screen Factory, you can get Piranha 2, The Spawning, finally. Oh, I've been waiting. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been an issue for Scream Factory because they've had a tra- hard time releasing this. I don't know the full story, but I'm sure a certain big-time director who doesn't do anything really has had an, has had something to do with this release being stalled. Um, James Cameron directed it. Um, <laughs> this was his early film when he was working with Corman, when he wasn't full of shame. Um, but, yeah, you can pick a Piranha 2 this morning. I don't know the extra feature scenario on this one. Uh, also on the, um, uh, but on the new front, you can get up Tully, which is Jason Reitman's new film on Blu-ray. Uh, no 4k release, probably the same reasons for Isle of Dogs. Just financially doesn't make sense, uh, for them. Uh, and also the remake of Overboard, uh, with Anna Ferris and, uh, the guy from how to be a Latin lover. I don't know his name. So, uh, you can pick that one up. Uh, also, if you're a Star Wars Rebels fan, the fourth season is now available on Blu-ray, so you can pick that up. Um, on the other nostalgia hits, uh, the original Village of the Damned from 1960, which is a uh, creepy-ass film, uh, can be a, it can be yours now from Warner Archive on Blu-ray. Um, I It looks like they did maybe a new transfer on it, so that would be interesting. Um, 
Also, uh, Counterpart Season 1, the J.K. Simmons uh, new limited cable show. So you can pick that up. Um, Brad, you'll like this. Dude Pro Party Massacre 3 has another blue uh, has a new another Blu-ray edition coming out. So maybe What did you just, even just say? Dude Bro Party Massacre 3 with Craig Sestero. <laughs> Never heard of Never it. Never heard of it? Um, yeah, you should... <laughs> You should listen to uh, Paul Shear talk about it. Um, but anyway, um, and then uh, the only other uh, like nostalgia releases are Kino Lober's putting out two different ones, Mr. Destiny and Taking Care of Business, both starring Jim Belushi. So if you like Jim Belushi, y- your wishes have been granted. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, someone must have if they put all that effort into he's, releasing them on Blu-ray. He's not his brother. <laughs> I know that's a low low blow, but he's not. <laughs> um, um. Also, Jim Carrey has a new movie out called Dark Crimes, which looks like him trying to solve a terrible Russian mafia sex slave mystery. I don't know. He's wearing a beard for it. Yeah, so that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, last remember number twenty-three. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's actually unfair. Number 23 isn't terrible. It's, uh, it's just not great. Uh, but anyway, that's Blu-rays as far as I can see. Uh, Brad, do you see anything that I'm missing? Uh, not really. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Right on. Yeah. Blu-rays. You can buy them at the store. I think I might regret this, but, uh, why don't we unspool that real news? It's real news. Um, we're actually backlogged a, uh, a wee bit, but I'm not going to, uh, go over every single thing. I'll just touch on the, uh, main things. Uh, last week, uh, the internet blew up with James Gunn being fired from, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 after some of his past tweets resurfaced, uh, from a conservative blogger. Um, and, uh, they fired him and, uh, over the past two weeks since we found out the news, uh, it seems like everyone's in support of gun and uh, not uh, happy with Disney's decision. So, uh, which is great. Uh, the cast the, today just posted a letter, an opening letter supporting reinstatement of James Gunn, um, clarifying their support for him, uh, which is nice. It's good to know that they're uh, supporting him because this is this is a very different situation from other ones that have been floating around where people are can conflating the two as similar um specifically probably um stuff involving other disney parents so um but yeah um it 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 sucks i i I want guardians 3 to be concluded by the person who got it up and running and uh i hope disney can find their way to make a better decision um in reversing this but you know they're a business they're gonna do what they're gonna do you know, and I understand why they reacted the way they did, but doesn't make it right. Yeah, it's it's a shame because uh, the awesome mix, like that's kind of for me. It's it's like the soul of those movies. Yeah, the playlist that he puts together and then builds the world around him. And that's that's solely courtesy of Gun. Yeah, at least well, at least definitely volume two. Volume two is. Um, I'm sure volume one is as well, but I heard he had more involvement with the soundtrack in the second one. But am I right or am I wrong? Uh, I mean both, but he, he probably you know he probably didn't get any questions about the second one. Yeah, um, I totally lost my train of thought. Um, 
So, it, yeah, like the Russo brothers, I guess, they've tackled the Guardians, but, you know, they've been supporting characters in Infinity War. Um, so as, as, as a movie featuring them, it's going to be tough for someone else to fill those shoes. So well, they, well, they should definitely reconsider. Yeah, and also Gunn actually helped out with a lot of stuff for the Guardians for Infinity War, so... But it's yeah. funny, like after, I think two weeks ago, I talked about Citizen Toxie and how his impression of uh, Stephen Hawking was like cringeworthy. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, it's it's already come it's, back to bite him. He's, he, he's in, he's, yeah, tr- if you didn't know what trauma was, then. Yeah, how did Disney hire him in the first place without. It's, it's, you know what, it's a loaded argument and issue and we don't have all the time in the world to discuss it because there's so much else that happened but i will definitely say that probably not the best idea to keep this decision as the final one disney um uh this might have something to do with why they were so quick to react because disney and 21st century fox shareholders approved historic 7.71.3 billion deal so billion dollar deal sorry uh so Maybe they didn't want anything interfering with that. Possibly. I don't know. Um, regardless, though, that deal went through. So now it's just got to be approved by the uh, federal regulators. Um, Rotten Tomatoes and a couple of other, other sites did a breakdown on when we could expect the Fox IPs to really enter into the Disney fold, specifically Marvel. Marvel's been the the big talk of that. Um, but it looks like we probably won't be even seeing the effects of that until maybe 2022 23 so um it's a it's an interesting process but uh we're gonna have to wait to see the final results of it guys um should be excited to see the x-men in the marvel universe at some point it'd be nice yeah. it'd, be, it'd be nice I, i'd like to um they do it right <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's that's a whole other discussion on what's right and what's wrong and whether or not disney does it correctly yeah. <laughs> we're fine with it but everyone else seems to be angry um uh, hey Brad, guess what happened to Movie Pass? They went out of business. N- well, they ran out of money this weekend, and now I'm surprised they're they had any money. <laughs> yeah, to uh, out of. Apparently, this weekend uh, they had to shut down their service because they had they needed to borrow five million dollars in cash to pay the bills. This is something we've been discussing for longer than a year. I would, I would, I, I I'm assuming because I think we talked about it last year, right? I'm not keeping track. Uh, yeah, but we've discussed it enough to know that, like, Brad here tried it. He had problems with it from the get-go. So it's clear that this it, – it was clear to me that I wasn't going to do it because if Brad's having trouble with it, I, I can only imagine how much trouble I'd have with it. But it never seems stable to begin with. And um, I've had a couple friends who use MoviePass who were pissed that they couldn't use it this weekend, and they all assume it's dead. Um, I don't know if there's been any follow-up since this. Uh, not that I can see, but they're trying to pass it off as a technical glitch. But then news piece broke that they needed to borrow cash to keep the lights on. So I don't think Movie Pass is sticking around with us much longer, guys. Yeah, it doesn't matter because like, AMC has theirs coming out, yeah. and then Alamo's beta, and beta testing theirs, and so right there, I'll be covered. Yeah, so, exactly. Until Regal gets on board with their own. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, they won't. I don't think they'll do it. They'll be the last to do it, to be sure. Um, Landmark will do it before AMC ever, or, or before Regal ever touches it. Mm. Um, that's just my uh, two cents, having worked for them. Um, Comic Con though was uh, two weeks ago, and we got 
a shit ton of trailers. We don't have to play them all, but we should mention that Shazam uh, debuted a teaser trailer, which looked fun. Yeah. Um, I'm totally down with that. I'm, I've never been like a huge follower of Zachary Levi, um, but he looks fun in this. I just, you know, I saw the trailer and a lot of people that I follow on YouTube or some of my friends were like, oh man, it looks so good. But I just, I think he just looks goofy. <laughs> I'm <laughs> not going like to lie. I feel like he's like, like they try to put him in like a muscle suit and it just, it doesn't look right to me. He looks like, he looks like a toy and I don't know. I just like I feel like it might be a good movie, and I think it'd be a good break to add that humor to an otherwise dismal DC franchise. But I don't know. I just I feel like he just looks like a walking toy. I'm wondering if because uh, I it, it's kind of similar to anything you put out a teaser for too early. Like they they're still working on that film, so maybe they're going to do some tweaks and touches and whatnot to that suit to make it a little more. I don't think so. I think so because it's looked like that in the photos. And I think it's, if you think about like a, like if Shazam is a, a boy imagining himself as a superhero, like a kid wouldn't have, like it would be very stylized and comic book. Rob Liefeld. <laughs> um, no, you can see his feet. <laughs> That's um, true. <laughs> So I don't know. It just, it just looks like a fun, uh, family-friendly Deadpool. Mm-hmm. It's because it, it's really referential. Yeah, self-referential. Mark Strong's in it too, um, so that'll be fun. But yeah, it, it does look. It's it, it's like off-putting because the DC universe is so gritty and realistic. And there's this guy with this bright-colored, like no detail suit. Uh, even the lightning bolt just feels like a plastic, like emblem. That's just yeah. Yeah. If you look at the uh, the drawings of the comics, it's it's like embroidered into the suit. But he's yeah, he's got like this glowing, you know, yeah, embossed plastic thing. Yeah, but anyway, we'll see how it plays out for them. Um, I mean, DCEU is definitely probably doing a lot of course correcting to a degree because while even I rewatching Justice League didn't mind it as much, I will admit it's definitely not my favorite amongst that those films that they even released. Um, so I think they've listened to a lot of responses and are course correcting in a way. Yeah, um, they're just focusing on the characters instead of instead of universe building, which yeah. is nice. Um, speaking of DC Universe, though, too, we also got the Aquaman trailer finally, uh, which looks fun. I, I, I'm totally down for it. I, I like James Wan, and uh, I like seeing what he does with it. And he put Patrick Wilson in the movie, so that's cool. Patrick Wilson has played two DC heroes already, it's, or two DC characters, I should say, because... Uh, uh, his character in Aquaman's a villain, and uh, his character in Watchmen was uh, impotent. So there's two differences. Um, you know, I think there's a certain rating that we all have. I don't think it's been, like, officially announced, but we all have this rating when we see a trailer in the theater where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to see that, or it's like, yeah, that's all right. And then below that is the, yeah, I'll catch it on Netflix. And then there's yeah. <laughs> the definitely, no, I'm not going to ever see that. So I think that... Uh, Shazam and with Aquaman, it's like, I think it's kind of in between the first two. Like, I'm not going to go see it opening night, but, you know, I'll probably see it when it first comes out. Yeah. It's first released. So. Yeah. I, I mean, like, doing the show, I uh, tend to try to go as early as possible because I want to get my thoughts down. But, like, if I wasn't doing the show, I'd probably wait for a weekday matinee with Aquaman because I felt burned. Not burned by DC, but, like, I was less than impressed by... Justice League, definitely Suicide Squad. I like Batman v Superman enough. Um, I loved it when it came out, and then my, it grew on me. 
Yeah. yeah well, it, it started strong with me, and then as it, as time went on, I started seeing the cracks. But I still think it's totally fine, um, especially if you compare it to the other one that was released that same year. Which I personally, I'm not a big Suicide Squad fan. Like, oh, I, yeah, I don't like Suicide Squad. Yeah, I, I mean, thought uh, Steppenwolf was pretty weak. I, I didn't really <laughs> like him as a villain in no. DC. <laughs> It's like you're pitting all the heroes together to fight that guy. Come on now. Yeah. Well, I, I think it was because it's supposed to be a two-parter. So he was he was the uh, the appetizer before Dark Side, and then uh, when Snyder bowed out, they're just like, eh, let's just finish like let's just finish it, get it out there, yeah, yeah. and uh-huh. call this a loss. Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but that's not all Warner Brothers gave us. They also gave us a trailer for Godzilla: King of the Monsters, which looks fun. Um, just like some good old monster fun. Definitely more Godzilla in this, it seems like. Well, yeah, because they... The trailer, I don't know if that's... If you, I thought there's going to be a lot of Godzilla and Godzilla. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's that's well, that's the issue we're dealing with. <laughs> so, this is no barometer. Um, also, another Fantastic Beast: The Crimes of Grindelwald trailer, which, uh, yeah, sure, uh, that that should be fun. I, I I wasn't a big fan of the first Fantastic Beasts, and I like Harry Potter, so... I watch it, so... Um, I will say for the first Fantastic Beasts that... And James and I are in agreement on this that Colin Farrell was amazing in it, and then his reveal into Johnny Depp was less than stellar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that I don't like Johnny Depp; I'm actually like the probably the lone Johnny Depp supporter amongst the group. But uh, I, I will say that I wasn't a huge fan of him being revealed when I would have rather just been Colin Farrell the entire time. <laughs> yeah, I think Colin Farrell would have been like if they would have aged him. Yeah, it would have done. It would have done a lot better. Yeah, at least for me. It would just been. Uh, it would have also been nice to have Colin Farrell, like you know, be a staple in a franchise. That would, yeah, would have been awesome. Yeah, um, um, he didn't I, do it with Daredevil, so <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I mean that was just a bad movie. Huh. Yeah, it was not a bullseye. I'll tell yeah. you that. Oh, oh. Uh, the guest is funnier than us, Brad. We have to yeah. kill him now. <laughs> I, I will say. I mean, I actually, I'm not gonna lie. One of my one of the movies I like a lot is Miami Vice. Mm. And I thought that he did good as Crockett. He's so, not bad in that. Yeah, yeah I, um, I liked him in that, and he kind of stood out ever since I saw the movie. He stood out to me. Yeah. And so when I, 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 I didn't see Fantastic Beasts in the theaters, but mm-hmm. you know, I was like, I don't know, I was like kind of lounging around, wondering if I should watch something, and then I saw that it was available, and I was like, eh, and I was like, oh, wait, it's got Colin Farrell on it. I was like, really? He's in a Harry Potter movie. <laughs> yeah. So then I, I, I watched it, and then I, the only parts I really liked were the ones he was in. Did you see the Lobster at all? But no, it's a movie he did with Yorgos Lanthimos, the guy who did Dogtooth and uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, which is also with Farrell. But Colin Farrell's really good in it. It's about a guy who goes to a resort to find love within 30 days, and if he doesn't uh, find love, he gets turned into an animal. Ah. Uh, and he chooses to be turned into a lobster because reasons. Under the sea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was that was missing from that movie is a big musical number. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> Fantastic Beast could have used some Navy SEALs in it. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> take, take them out. <laughs> Harry Pop. <laughs> you got to watch it. I'll send you the link. You nice. I, I'm, I'm going to check it out when we're done with everything. <laughs> um, the probably biggest trailer, though, we got from uh, Comic-Con was the one that didn't involve superheroes in the traditional sense because we got a trailer for Glass, which looks fun as all hell. Uh, I was not a huge fan of Split, uh, but I only saw it once, so I need to rewatch it. I love Unbreakable, so I'm automatically down for this, um, with the caveat that I will, I, I will go in as clean-minded as I can and not watch that trailer again, not get my expectations up. 
because Shyamalan has been up and down for me ever since. Uh, uh, what was it? The Village. So I really don't want this to be a story that's playing out in anyone's head. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> um, that would be terrible. <laughs> the, the part where they talk about, uh, you know, they're they're in the uh, psychiatry ward. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, they're they're kind of insinuating that all these characters have not had powers in these past movies, and it's all been a bit of a like a mind trick. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little worried. So, well, it is Shyamalan. He will he will twist he will twist whatever he can to get his ending the way he wants it. Yeah. So, well, at the expense of us, maybe I don't know. At the expense of the Avatar franchise. <laughs> <laughs> Never Bring me never. your elderly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and then a bunch of TV. Uh, we got a Purge TV show coming, so yeah, cool. And that Teen Titans trailer looks badass. No, uh, I, I guess. I'm confused. Is that in the DC? It's part of their universe? new streaming service. But like, is it tied in with the movies? Like, I don't think so. I think it, if if it would have any connection, it'd probably be to their CW stuff. Yeah, hmm. and that seems unlikely just because of the, um, uh, freaking uh, uh, th- this Teen Titans trailer looks incredibly dark. Yeah, Robin yeah. says curse words. So. Yeah, well, I think it's like Star Trek Discovery where they've pushed the envelope on that too. Yeah, but it's not like a dark show. No, so. but it's darker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they're able to do everything they want to <laughs> do, but can't do on network TV. Yeah. Right. And so. they also renewed, or they uh, did, they okayed season five of Gotham, right? Did I read that? Mm, I think they're... F- I didn't read anything on it. Did they come out of it with that like TV conference that they were doing? I heard that they're doing it, but it might be a half season. Uh, I saw they're it posted just, somewhere. So Yeah, there's. I think they're just trying to wrap up everything from season four with it. Uh, and then... Be done with it. Be done with it, yeah. yeah. Mm. All right. Um, three more quick pieces. Um, the Coen Brothers got a new movie coming to the Venice Film Festival and then later to Netflix uh, called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, it was originally going to be a six-part uh, anthology series, uh, more in the vein of a television thing, but they combined it all and uh, edited it down into a feature-length film. Um, it'll have Tim Blake Nelson and uh, Liam Neeson in it, so... I love the Coen Brothers to death, so I will definitely be watching this the moment it pops up on Netflix, because uh, I can't get down to Venice. So, <laughs> or I guess not with that attitude, I won't. <laughs> um, and uh, the Deadwood movie is apparently finally happening, according to HBO. Um, they keep saying that. I don't believe them until I see a, an actual trailer or the movie itself. So, I like Deadwood. I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember liking it. So, I would like to see them wrap it up. But uh, stop teasing me, HBO. Just give it to me. And uh, last piece of news, uh, which I thought was fun but bittersweet. Uh, Stoned Alone, Ryan Reynolds is developing an R-rated Home Alone riff. Uh, And, uh, yeah, so it's going to be like a stoner Home Alone. Um, This sucks because I think uh, Andrew Bueno should be the star of this movie. (laughs) Um, he He has a wonderful joke about what the actual Japanese title of Home Alone is. Um, uh, I don't remember the exact title he gave, but it, it had to do about, like... like uh, what, A great non-joke. The, mur- <laughs> he, he's like, he, it's called Murdering White Boy or something like that. Um, <laughs> but it was really funny. Um, I don't know. Bueno, write in. Tell me what the actual joke is so I can um, prove how funny you are. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, sure, why not? Uh, 
Is anyone clamoring for a parody of Home Alone? I wasn't even clamoring for more Home Alone, period. Might, might be 20 years too late, but we'll see. Yeah, sure. Now, is it going to have Macaulay Culkin in it? He should have a cameo as one of yeah, them. Yeah, at the very least. Know. Yeah, and Danny, or uh, not Danny, uh, Joe Pesci. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it took Martin Scorsese to <laughs> forever to get him out of retirement for that Irishman movie, so yeah. I don't think Ryan Reynolds is going to be able to pull the same clout. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Rick Moranis is coming back, right? Like, Isn't he coming back to acting? I hope so. <laughs> we need him. Yeah. <laughs> he did that Spaceball sequel. He better... Better be down for it. Yeah. There was this Shout Factory uh, interview with Mel Brooks, and Mel Brooks was saying, like, someday I'm just going to make Spaceballs 2 on my phone. It'll be five minutes, and I'll put it on YouTube. <laughs> and he said, like, no, make an ad for Spaceballs 2 coming for this and monetize it and then just take the money and run. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, nah, I'm... don't make me think about that because every day I think about Mel Brooks, and it makes me laugh, and then it makes me sad because I'm like, a lot of his friends are gone right now. <laughs> And someday then, you're gonna have to deal with his passing. Oh, you know what? The day you know the day that Mel Brooks happens, two things are gonna happen. One, I will be in a dark room crying, and two, laughter will be dead. So, because um, he's the greatest comedic mind we have right now, and it's slowly dwindling. Uh, but anyway, that's Mel Brooks. Or <laughs> that is that, that is Mel Brooks. That is Mel Brooks. That is news. Um, cool. Yeah. All right. A lot of stuff out of Comic Con. So I guess until the review, that just leaves what we've, been, what we've been watching. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Emil, what have you been watching? Uh, okay, so I watched the Netflix original, uh, How It Ends. Have you guys seen that? Forrest Whitaker. Um, is it a movie or a TV show? It's a movie. I haven't seen this on their thing. Explain yeah, it to us. How It Ends. Okay, so... Uh, God, I can't remember the actors. All I remember is Forrest Whitaker. Basically, Forrest Whitaker's <laughs> daughter is engaged to this guy, and Forrest Whitaker is kind of hard on him. So he goes, he flies from Seattle to New York to talk with him and like get the blessings for the for their engagement or whatever. And then he calls the guy calls his fiance, Forrest Whitaker's daughter, and all of a sudden she's talking about like some events happening or something and the phone goes crazy and then all like the power goes out everywhere and no one knows what's going on <sighs> so him and Forrest Whitaker um Forrest is like we're gonna go save my daughter and he's like you come with me and they like do this cross-country travel and like there's like mayhem everywhere uh you know a lot of stuff happens um and I, I feel like you know my little brother liked it I I felt a little disappointed by it uh and I feel like there's a lot that I would have done differently. Um, I'm sure we say that about a lot of movies, but uh, you know, there's just, you know, I watched it and I was just like, okay, well there's that. I mean, it's definitely like, like I said, you have that scale of like, okay, I'm going to see this opening night. I'm going to catch it on a matinee. I'll just catch it on Netflix. It's definitely like, you know, I just catch it on Netflix. Like, you know, it's like, it's where it belongs. Like it's on Netflix. <laughs> well, luckily they took care of that for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably, uh, Aside from the movie we're going to discuss, that was the most recent one that I've watched. Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I'll go next because it'll be really brief. Um, okay. I rewatched Tag again. Nice. Which is, the more I watch it, the uh, more it's climbing my uh, film explosion list. So, mm. um, especially when you go back and rewatch it and you, there's dialogue that goes throughout the movie that foreshadows the end. 
um, you know, that you only recognize on the second right. second pass. Okay. And it's, it's really kind of like heartbreaking mm-hmm. what some of those uh, details are. I don't want to spoil them. So Yeah, I want to see it. I don't know if I see it in the theater, but I definitely do want to see it at some point. Well, we'll be talking about it in a second. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it's really funny. And yeah. Uh, um, oh yeah, it's probably. Your yeah, I will. Because I, I saw it too. This uh, since we since we've been gone from regular show. Yeah, and then the last thing I've been watching is Hell's Kitchen. So I've been watching Gordon Ramsay yell at people <laughs> for seven seasons so far. <laughs> um, of course you have. <laughs> and I I keep going because I appreciate watching someone who does something really well. Uh, like at the top of their craft getting berated for it <laughs> they're not the ones getting berated. the idiots are getting berated but like yeah. him demonstrating for them like how to be a great chef and so now when i go out to dinner i'm just like constantly looking at the food i'm eating and just critiquing it myself being like would gordon ramsay approve of this um so for the most part the show is really entertaining um the only frustration is like at seven seasons in the, the like they they change up some of the like um expectations of where, where people get voted off um or um where certain things are revealed um but the, the essence of the show is always the same the you know 16 chefs come in all their dishes are terrible like once in a while like someone does a good dish but he immediately throws out all the dishes and then for the next like 12 weeks it's people cook meat wrong people cook fish wrong they can't get orders out and it's just over and over again like that until finally two people are left standing and they get to design their own restaurant within the Hell's Kitchen and then a winner's declared. And so it, I'm kind of <laughs> at the point where it's like you're only just meeting new personalities and they're clearly picking not talented people so that the show kind of stumbles and get like ads drama. And it's like, I just want to see people do really well at this point. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I worked at a restaurant for 17 years. Oh, wow. And it's like anytime I go to a restaurant, like I'm always critiquing the waiter, you know, like it's just something that's been embedded in me. But uh, on that point, like I've been I watched uh, my girlfriend loves cooking shows and stuff. So we watched uh, Sugar Rush. We watched that. What's that? uh, Sugar Rush is a competition show for like desserts and things. Yeah. uh, So there's Zumbo's Just Desserts, which is the other one. And Zumbo is in uh, Sugar Rush, too. And. Basically, there's a competitions. Zumbo's is more of like a, a like a season long competition, and um, Sugar Rush is more like daily competition. So you have four different teams of two, and then they each get eliminated every round, and there's one person standing they earn money or one uh, team standing. Um, and they're both interesting. I mean, I like them, but it's just kind of like you know, I like to watch the creations and stuff. And these they're, they're talented, but then you got a show like Nailed It, and Nailed It is another daily competition show. The host is kind of annoying, but I, you know I think for the most part she's kind of fits the role. But uh, these people who like have some experience baking come on the show, and then they make these like they're supposed to like make some kind of a predetermined concoction, and it just it always like it, like it never looks right. And it's like if they I would like to see someone from. Zumbo's Just Desserts or Sugar Rush come on and to those competitions because I think they would kill it. But it's like that show banks on people just not doing it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I don't know. Like they think it would be boring if everyone just like, like the, without the drama. Yeah. Um, well, there's no drama in the show. I mean, Zumbo's, there's definitely drama. And Sugar Rush kind of is. But um, like Zumbo's, like one of the girls like cried a lot and it's kind of annoying. But... Uh, <laughs> But nailed it. Like, everyone's, like, real, like, oh, okay, yeah. 
yeah, I sucked. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I accept your critique. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. I can't believe some of the people, especially when you're at season seven, like the people who still challenge Gordon Ramsay's opinion. Mm. Um, like, did you not watch the show before you like signed on? He wanted to come to the restaurant I worked at. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, what we, restaurant? It's called the Brucies. Uh, they used to be in Wheat Ridge on Thirty Second Youngfield, and then really familiar. about a year ago they moved down the street. They bought land and built their own building. Now it's a Brucies Fire and Wine, which is on uh, like Twenty Third in Youngfield. It's urban Italian food. It's good. And um, oh, was he coming for the Kitchen Nightmare show? Yeah, yeah. Like he wanted to do the kitchen, but like we didn't really have any issues. Like yeah. our stuff was like fine. Like we were a well-run restaurant, so. I want to check out uh, Pantaleones, I think. It's on like Holly and I might like East of I-25. I think I drove by that the other day. Yeah, it's, it's a pizza restaurant, uh, family owned. Um, yeah. And he re- redid that one, like, I guess it would be like four or five years ago. So mm-hmm. oh, let's okay. see if it's still running. Yeah. So yeah. anyway. There's a there's a Perry. There, there's a one that popped up two years ago that um, it's a pizza bar called Perry's. That's pretty fun. Um I don't know if they're like chain or anything. It doesn't seem like they are, but uh nice little like they had a spread of like sampling buffet uh for us, so we tried out a lot of their items and really saw it, um like greasy diner pizza pizzeria food and stuff like that, which is kinda of more my style. <laughs> Not into fancy Italian. But yeah. 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 Hi, right, go check out our Brucies, man. It's it's good. Nice. Urban urban mm-hmm. Italian food, so Wheat Rich? Uh it's now technically Lakewood. Oh okay. yeah. Okay. So Ramsey never stopped by because like the, the the restaurant wasn't in decay enough. Well, no, <laughs> the I mean they probably would have staged it if we had wanted him to, but mm-hmm. the owner was like, eh, I don't really want to deal with that." So we just kept business as usual, which was fine. So sweet, yeah. cool. Well, that's what I watched. Cool. Um, uh, I have a few things, but I'm gonna be quick. Um, on uh, July twentieth uh, to commemorate. Um, in a positive manner, the uh, anniversary of the Aurora Theater shooting, um, I uh, decided instead of uh, sitting in Wallow to go out to the movie theater for the entire day. So I went to four movies in one day, uh, travel the kind of theater hopping. I wanted to do it one movie per theater, but I ended up doing two at uh, AMC Highlands Ranch, one at the South Glen, and then finally ending it at the uh, Alamo Littleton. I really um, think that should be a thing that real nerds like perpetuate is like take July twentieth to mm-hmm. just see as many movies as you can in a theater that day. Well, and it and it sucks. Be, it, it sucks if uh, if 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 because I know that unfortunately I kind of sprung it on you at the last minute. If we had prepped more, we might have both been able to do it. Dude, I spent so much time like going through all the theater schedules. I know. And I plotted like five different scenarios where. I could go to different ones or just stay at the Highlands Ranch 24 all day. Right. Well, this was always – this year I, was, I meant to do it as a trial run because I want to do this every year because this was always something I wanted to do since having been evacuated from that theater. But I don't I, – I never really found a way to accomplish it. Personal problems and also just scheduling problems in general got in the way. Um, but uh, I found a way to do it this year in a, a kind of a trial run with four movies because I wasn't trying to overextend myself. Uh, so I saw Hotel Transylvania 3, uh, which was fun. Um, I like those movies. I think they're adorable. Um, uh, this one in particular was interesting because they found something fun to do with the Van Helsing character, which they had never tackled in Hotel Transylvania for some reason. Uh, and the way they do them is pretty fun because uh, in their version, he's been living 
Uh, he's been living beyond the 1800s, and the way he's been able to keep alive is fascinating, and I don't want to spoil it because it's kind of disturbing. Um, uh, then I saw Sorry to Bother You, which Brad saw the week before. Um, I feel like you undersold me on the craziness of that film, but maybe that's just the way you reviewed it. I didn't paint it clear enough? No, you painted it clear, but like... It's weird, I, right? I will not spoil it like you did because I, I, I. Were you interested in seeing Sorry to Bother You based on the trailers and stuff? Sorry, I was not. Oh no. <laughs> um, but Sorry, no. Uh, remind me all the stuff I did watch. I forgot about the. Uh, the no, it's okay. The um. Uh, if you want to go back and talk about it, you can. Um, but uh, Sorry to Bother You. It's. I think it's a very wonderful surreal satire. Um, on um. It doesn't. It seems like it, the trailer set it up for uh, um, a race, a, a, a racial critique, and it actually goes way beyond that and turns into something a lot more, uh, I think, universal. But it does it in the most uh, limiting of ways, <laughs> because uh, it's the 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 old. I, I will just say the ultimate thing it it tries to satirize is uh, abusive workforce power. Um, and specifically how management treats associate workers and like anything throughout a, like a tiered level, like hierarchy, hierarchy. Yeah. Um, and the way they do it is very interesting because they tackle a lot of things maturely. And then there's one thing they tackle that while mature is disturbing. <laughs> uh, but I will say the practical effects involved in that are beautiful and mm. like terrifyingly Cronenberg esque. <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, Bruce Riley, the director of it, uh, I didn't know he was a rapper, didn't know he was like a conceptual artist, but great job for him. Um, I wish I could have gone to the Q and A he did at the Sloan's Lake cause I would have loved to ask what the fuck, um, <laughs> um, not, not, not at the Q and A, just like go up to him in the bar, <laughs> um, respectfully, then I would have left. <laughs> um, and then I saw tag, which I, I loved. I, I don't really like going to comedies in the theater anymore unless they're like a Sorry to Bother You where they've got like a hook for them. Tag has a hook, but it was also kind of one that I thought I could have saw on DVD and been fine with. I'm glad I went to the theater for it, though, because it, it was fun watching those stunts on a big screen. Yeah, it's it's not an essential theater watch. It is like something you could just catch on Netflix. But However, there's some fun action sequences in there that I was sitting in the front rows, so it it was like fake IMAX for me. <laughs> so it, like, that's why I always call it. So like just watching the action sequence, like this first sequence when they're running through the apartment complex in Denver, quote unquote, mm. is really fun. Uh, the whole, uh, in the forest sequence is pretty awesome. Well, a predator. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the, 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 the chase through the golf with the golf carts is pretty fucking awesome too. Um, the, the, the AA sequence was great. And then it got both great and weird because of like them trying to figure out whether or not it was a miscarriage or not. Yeah. Um, I watched the when Jamie Renner hops on those chairs. I'm just like, is this the part where he fell down and broke both his arms? Oh yeah, yeah. I was I was trying to figure it out too, and I'm like, that seems most likely. Yeah. Um, and uh, also, he, Jeremy Renner has my one of my favorite moments in the film is uh. There, the one, the one, two of the characters have the crush on the same uh, have a crush on the same girl oh, they've yeah. known in in the past, and the, uh, John Hamm's staying behind while uh, Jake Johnson's going up to talk to the girl, and it's John Hamm, uh, Jason uh, or Ed Helm, sorry, um, yeah, and uh, Jeremy Renner, 
and they're all making fun of John Hamm and his name and how terrible it would be to say that name during sex. <laughs> oh, Bob. <laughs> it was beautiful. I loved it. I can't do it justice, but Jeremy Renner does like a high-pitched voice that's really funny. Uh, and also, the ending was more tender than I thought it would be. And like, I'm glad it saved it being tender for that moment because I like that up to now it's been like pretty unforgivingly relentless in its uh, uh in, in its attitude and then you realize that that's all because something means so much to them that it kind of unloads it in a fair way rather than a exposition dump um so yeah um tag i think you should go check it out and i saw incredibles 2 i hadn't seen the first incredibles in a long long time uh and didn't watch it prior to seeing the sequel so i liked incredibles 2 as probably as much as i remember liking the first one um, I, I wish I could have kept my eyes open for the strobing sequence, but that was giving me a bit of a headache. So I had to kind of shield my eyes. Um, but the story I think is pretty interesting because it, it, it maturely tackles a superhero question, um, for a kid f within the context of its kid family related themes. Um, uh, I, uh, though I could tell who Scream Slaver was from the get go, just kind of like the way. The way everything built up in it kind of just it, it, Pixar's like Pixar's villain reveals lately. While I I have no problem with them, they are very easy to predict predict nowadays. Uh, Coco kind of had the same issue, although with Coco, I didn't care because that movie was like doing it so well. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and and I liked uh, Craig T. Nelson in this one a lot. Him trying to be a quote unquote super dad. <laughs> um, my favorite. My favorite sequence in the movie is when he thinks the way to uh, make peace with Violet is to take Violet to the restaurant where of the boy that she likes works and causing that whole family drama issue. Uh, it was pretty funny. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I would go check that out. Um, I uh, rewatched Saving Private Ryan on uh, uh, right after we recorded our 98 film explosion because uh, I hadn't watched it in two years um i think i'd probably put it up two spaces higher um oh really maybe maybe just because having rewatched it, it it's still an amazing film um it definitely wouldn't take my two or one spots because those are spots that won't be changed um and you guys are also entitled to your own damn opinions well if you put it up two spots it would be uh higher than me so i would be the lowest yeah i see so you would have been he would have yeah. been the jerk but the thing is is like part of the issue was i had it's such it's a long movie and I don't have time to necessarily set around set aside three hours unless it's the theater to rewatch Saving Private Ryan and also it's an emotional film. It hits your core very hard. And so I don't necessarily like crying all the time. <laughs> I'm surprised there aren't more twentieth anniversary screens of that right now. Um Maybe they might do it later. They should have done it around June because of the anniversary of D Day. Yeah, but, right. Um But yeah, but it looks fine. it looks still looks great. Um I don't. F I, I need to get the 4K TV very soon because I got the 4K version, but I had to watch the Blu-ray version because I don't have a 4K player or TV yet, and I think that Blu-ray transfer is not that great. Um, it, but again, I may not have my settings correct. Whatever, I'm an idiot, so what do I know? But I liked rewatching the movie. Uh, I forgot Ted Danson was in it, and that's always interesting to suddenly reveal. And Paul Giamatti's in it too. Um, so yeah, um, and then the final scene with. Uh, Ryan at the end going like, have I, am I a good man? Have I loved a, led a good life is a beautiful speech and I, I love it to death. 
Um, so yeah, Saving Private Ryan, pretty fucking amazing. So you should rewatch it. Um, and, uh, probably be better than me and not put it at number five on a top 10 list. <laughs> um, uh, uh, below the faculty, which I, I love, but I will readily admit probably not as quality better as Saving Private Ryan. It's not about quality. It's about yeah, yeah, favorites ex- are. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's why I put it where I put it on the list and. I got shit, the shit kicked out of me. <laughs> um, I, uh, I've been rewatching some of my Scream Factory stuff, so I rewatched Prince of Darkness, John Carpenter's film from 1987. Um, it's a f- still a fun film. It's about like a bunch of people find a uh, evil force inside a church um, uh, that's run by Donald Pleasance, and they try to investigate what the evil force is in the church via quantum physics and... Uh, it becomes a big question of science and religion and how they collide with each other. Uh, it was made in the 80s, and it went every, over everyone's head, so it did very poorly at the box office. But uh, Scream Factory really cleaned up that thing, and it looks beautiful. Um, and uh, it's got two actors. Dennis Dunn and Victor Wong from Big Trouble in Little China are in it, so it's pretty fun to watch them work with Carpenter again. Um, and... Uh, the special features on it are pretty interesting. There's an interview with Alice Cooper because he plays one of the uh, zombified hobos that kills people outside of the church, and it's pretty awesome. Um, and then the last thing that I rewatched was uh, John Carpenter's The Fog, um, which was uh, a film he did right after Halloween. Um, I've talked about it before on the show, but if anyone hasn't seen it, it's uh, the, the, the town of Antonio Bay is haunted by pirate – not even pirate ghosts, leper ghosts, uh, uh, who – who descend upon the town on the 100th anniversary of the night that their ship crashed because the town fathers uh, set a fake distress signal in the lighthouse and they crashed. So, uh, And it's got Adrian Barbeau, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tom Atkins. Uh, Tom Atkins, by the way, does drink uh, road beer in the movie. He's clearly just drinking Budweiser while in the car, not giving a shit. And he's done that several times in movies. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing. That man just has no scruples whatsoever. Um, he's wonderful. Uh, you get, uh, if you, you know, if you've ever seen Halloween three season of the witch at all, no. watch that movie, watch how much he drinks. It's, it's incredible that he's standing up, um, <laughs> or his character is, um, and, uh, how Holbrook's in it too, but it's a, it's a wonderful, like slick 90 minute ghost story movie. And I enjoy it. Um, the opening sequence was the main reason I was rewatching it. Cause I'm working on a project that I'm trying to get off the ground for January. And, uh, that opening scene is very key to something I want to try to pull off. So, um, but yeah, and, uh, that is all I watched this week. Sorry to ramble on. No, you just reminded me, uh, like as we had last week for the film explosion. So I didn't get to talk about, I, I, I tried to do my own, uh, July uh, 20th thing. Mm -hmm. So after I waited around all day for a meeting that never happened, um, (laughs) for work. um, Yeah. I kept texting you going like, it's it's over, right? So no. Yep. I never, Never, Fuck. <laughs> went into next week and yeah. Anyway, so I managed to get three. Uh, one was tag again, mm-hmm. uh, and then I saw heartbeats. Heartbeats loud, which is with Heart Nick Speed Offerman loud. and Nick Offerman. Um, and uh, it's okay. Um, I was a little distracted because the only other people in the theater with me at the mine was some <laughs> couple who were just talking the whole time. So I went into the back, far, far back, and so my attention is a little. Not so great. Can so. I do a dumb impression of that couple that bothered you? Sure. They're, they're at the box office. One ticket to the Ron Swanson movie, please. 
That's my dumb impression. No, that Never was, said that, it was supposed to be funny. No, that wasn't that obnoxious. They were, they were more obnoxious. They, okay. you know, they always had a thought that they just couldn't save for two hours, so they would just whisper over to each other. and Not even <laughs> really whisper, kind of just like talk out loud. And what if their whole conversation was actually just about you? Like, look at that loser sitting alone. <laughs> Could have been. <yeah. laughs> that would have been. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> when I saw Incredibles 2, my girlfriend very rarely goes to movies, but she's like, yeah, I'll go to that movie. And she just does not like noisy kids. Uh-huh. It was just full of noisy kids. And it's, uh. like, I, it's gonna be so hard for me to get her back into the theater. What time of day? It was a matinee. Yeah, I <laughs> usually save like kids' movies for ten o'clock screen. <laughs> yeah, PM. yeah, yeah. But she goes to bed early. If it's like after ten o'clock, she crashes. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, heart heartbeats loud. Uh, Nick Offerman. Um, is a widower who has a daughter who's about to go off to college. Um, she's focused on going to med school. Um, he is losing his indie record store to rising rent prices. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's trying to hold on to his, you know, he, he had a recording career at one point in the movie. Uh, they show, show in the movie. Um, and uh, so he's, he's trying to hold on to that dream. Um, and so at one night he's hanging out with his daughter and they're goofing around. They make some silly song. Um, he's drunk. He puts on Spotify, and the next thing, uh, like a couple days later, he goes to his coffee shop and it's playing on the radio. And so he starts to believe that like the song's gonna make help them take off, and uh, you know maybe he'll do a, a father daughter, you know band. Um, <laughs> but she's resistant; like she's focused on you know having a career, going to med school, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so a lot of the movie is Nick Offerman also sort of like straddling the line of like falling into alcoholism. Um, mm. so he starts to make some bad choices as he's like struggling with like, you know, what, what do I do about losing my record store? My daughter's not interested in being this, in this band with me. Um, Ted Danson is actually the bartender, <laughs> um, that he, uh, of the bar he goes to. Ted Danson um, appears in the most unlikely places. He's a huge hippie and just, you know, leaves his bar to go to burning or to Woodstock. Um, and like so Nick Offerman's <laughs> left, uh, taking care of the, the bar for him. Um, <laughs> So it's it's a cute movie, um, and the songs are are uh, very like cliche indie mm-hmm. rock, uh, but it's it's a it's a lighthearted, nice movie. Nice. And then the last thing I saw was uh, the Escar was playing Mad Max Fury Road last weekend, so I saw I caught both midnights of that, and I hadn't watched it in a while because I watched it so much when it came out. Um, and you needed this, a break. <laughs> yeah, but revisiting it in theaters just like made me like just inspired me to like love that kind of. Uh, f- filmmaking again mm-hmm. like leading up to the 40 days just like oh like i know we can't do car crashes and stunts like that but to this, as far as like such specific like, well, not with that attitude <laughs> <laughs> like playing with color and the editing and um well, you gotta have a guy uh strapped to a car with a guitar <laughs> yeah do foyer yeah, yeah. <laughs> um it's, it's, it's one of the movies that just makes you like want to make movies it's so. a it's a film that I need to re. I've only seen it once at the uh, uh, in the theater, which was uh, which was amazing. Um, but I've been holding off on getting it on Blu-ray because I was waiting for that uh, ultimate edition that had both versions of it that George Miller did the the black and chrome one specifically. It's out. Uh, no, I know, I yeah. know it is now, and and I actually read recently that it's pretty affordable. So maybe that's this week. Well, I mean, there's 4K on the horizon, so you should probably hold out. So. Maybe. Or, um, you know, I mean, we'll see. I will say, but one of my biggest regrets, like, of the past three years is that I haven't revisited it. But, like, the first time I saw it in the theaters, it was so amazing that, like, 
It almost feels like any time I'd watch it again, unless it's on an equally big screen, which I should have gone with you. But uh, if I try to rewatch on like my TV here, which is more for personal intimate viewing, yeah. same as it's well. the sound design that like I missed mm. um, at home. Uh, yeah, that that actually would be fun to revisit. Because I did the same with the Lego movie, and I, I missed a shit ton of stuff in the theater, apparently. Because there's sound effects in the Lego movie that I missed. Mm. Um, but cool. Awesome. Yeah. So I guess that takes us to the review of the week, which is Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, shoot. Wait. I rewatched the first two Mission Impossible movies. I won't say anything uh, made long about them other than I like Mission Impossible 2 more than I did the first time. Oh really? Yeah, more than uh, I, still so, bad, but <laughs> I, I will say that when it came out, like I mean, I'm I'm a huge Metallica fan, and when it came out, I was like, oh yeah, Metallica did a song for it, and I watched the movie, and I I don't remember my first reaction, uh-huh. but then like a few years ago, I I was dating this girl, and she had it, and I was like, oh, let's go watch this. And I remember watching it like, oh, my God, this is horrible. <laughs> I think it's a misunderstood but necessary entry in that series. Well, if you uh, watch the special yeah. features, they talk about, like, their, the, 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 the goal of it is it's, like, a Mission Impossible but as a love story. Mm. That's, um, that somehow is which incredibly I don't think uns- anyone's going to Mission Impossible to watch uh, Ethan Hunt, like, fall in love. Yeah. No. So. The, you know what would been funny is, that, like, the third movie, instead of it being, like, what it was, like, it was about the wedding. <laughs> like oh no <laughs> our ca- someone dropped our cake we gotta get a new one in time for the wedding like your, m- your mission should you choose to accept it is to find these appropriate flowers <laughs> <laughs> yeah the flower girl's been kidnapped <laughs> yeah. this uh I guess this matrimony if you choose to accept it yeah <laughs> anyway yeah um, also, MI2 has that unfortunate, two unfortunate scenes, one involving Anthony Hopkins being incredibly sexist and the other one telling with the villain trying to be like intriguing, sexy and instead just creepy, sexy. <laughs> like, mm. I thought you wanted to see me try on the dress later. I'm like, Ugh, no. <laughs> when I watched that How movie, about I never to, on any of it? <laughs> I tried to imagine him because uh, he was in the running to be Wolverine. So I was like, hmm. No. I'm trying to imagine this guy in place of Hugh Jackman. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Logan has proven that I'm good on that. Yeah. So, choice. yeah, so I actually, uh, my girlfriend's never seen any of the Mission Possible. So I showed her the first one, uh-huh. and then I showed her Ghost Protocol, and I showed her, uh, no, I, then I watched Rogue Nation on my own yesterday mm-hmm. before this movie. So I, I was like, okay, I need to kind of watch those to catch up. And I saw the third one a lot, so I think I remember that pretty well. So if there's like anything that I needed to tie into the fallout, yeah. no, I I I think uh, I, I actually rewatching the first one. I love De Palma's take on it, um, and I I De Palma's a fantastic filmmaker across the board. I think the only thing that that feels non non De Palma ish to me, but at the same time works within him, is the train sequence at the end of the first one. It's the only part that where the effects don't hold up after they, all this time. They don't, but the transfer is so bad on this Blu-ray set that I got from Paramount that I didn't really care. <laughs> like if I'm sure if I was seeing it in the 4K upgrade or whatever they did, it probably would be sticking out like a even bigger sore thumb. It moves fast enough, though, too, that I just don't care. Um, plus, I'm kind of there for all the espionage and the slow burn thriller that they kind of do within it. Although that movie is the shortest of them all. So, but anyway, sorry, didn't mean to drag off again. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I did. I like derailing you, Emil. 
Should people go see Mission Impossible Fallout? So you're asking where I'd rank it. Oh, like, yeah. So what we do is uh, it, 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 we just, uh, before we play the trailer, we just ask people, like, if they should go see it or not and, like, add some fine points. Um, then we play the trailer, and then we talk about, like, in depth, like, like the specifics okay. of the yeah. movie. So, so this is so non-spoiler. Where, where it sits on my scale. So, like, is it, like, a see it opening night, or is it see it matinee? Is it see it on Netflix, or is it just don't watch it all together? I think it's definitely a matinee-worthy uh, movie. I absolutely do. I was really entertained by it. I, there is a lot of suspension of disbelief, but I still feel like um, I, I feel like I was really entertained. I got I got my money's worth from this movie. So, Zach, should people go see Mission Impossible Fallout? Um, before I tell you what I think, uh, James did text me. Um, so James does want me to tell uh, everyone. That MI6 is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in a theater, and everyone should see it. So uh, James, who is not here today, gave us a review, and I'm sure either Ryan will tell us next week or he'll just call in and we'll insert it later. <laughs> um, as for me, though, um, I uh, I really liked it. Um, I wish I had seen it in the IMAX. I went to the Alamo, which was just as fine, um, but I definitely want to see IMAX for this one because this was insane. I thought uh, ghost protocol was the film that got me back into mission impossible. Um, I liked three, but I was like fine if I never saw another one again with this one. I, there were moments where I literally had lost my breath in terms of how the stunts were being pulled off. And also I thought the story was actually pretty fun. Um, and, uh, it wasn't too complicated. Like it didn't need, I'm glad that it didn't need to be, um, I, I didn't really have many problems with it. So yeah, I think you definitely should go see it, um, on probably the largest premium format you can. Um, unlike skyscraper, this one is a definite <laughs> don't miss. <laughs> uh, and I like how Christopher McQuarrie is treating the series cause he's kind of, I like how it's become more global. Whereas like as the mission impossible movies have progressed, like they've some of like have different, had different styles, but some feel international, some feel local, but this one's like global. Like it's just like the the threat's so massive to a degree, only because of the way it's being presented. And I think it's pretty beautiful action filmmaking. So yeah, yeah I think that's well put. Yeah. yeah, Brad, should people go see Mission Impossible Fallout? Uh, before we find out, uh, Corinne, should we? Uh, what do you think of Mission Impossible Fallout? Hi, nerds. It's Corinne. I guess my previous voicemail got cut off or something, so I'll just leave you an entirely new voicemail now that it's been a couple of days for me to process Mission Impossible out. Um, it was a good movie. I liked it for the most part. I'd give it like a B plus overall. I and there were some parts that felt long, like a couple of the action sequences I think could have been shortened, and I think the ending could have been done a little bit better, but I really liked the characters. I liked the dynamics and some of the questions um, that characters asked of one another, and kind of this examination of Ethan's psyche, psychosis or something, and just like his his fears and the people that he cares about, but also kind of seeing people prey upon the creatures. And anyway, yeah, it was really good. If they make another one, I'll probably go see it. I really like the character of Ilsa, so I, I hope... 
was another thing that bugged me about the ending is like I really hope they make more movies because then otherwise that ending feels like so just lame and there's nothing there. You know, it's like it was just like just kind of like slapdash kind of on the screen. And I I wanted a little bit more weight and resolution to it than what we got. So, anyway, yeah, I would tell people to go see it. I had fun, and I think other people would have fun, too. All right. See you guys soon. Bye. Thanks for the input, Corinne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that leaves that it to me. That was insightful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've actually seen this movie twice already. Hmm. Once in 3D. Um, I definitely think you should go see it. Um, although I feel like there's something missing from it for me. Um, it might be story-wise. It just, uh, I, I can't place it's bothering me. And I can't put, put my finger on it. Um, you know, there's something about ghost protocol and rogue nation. I still like more. Mm-hmm. Um, but this movie definitely like, it's one of the few movies that has me in my seat, like clenching myself. Cause it's so tense in some of the sequences. Um, and it like they're not other than the fact that you know it's it's really Tom Cruise doing the stunt, like they're not doing any crazy stylized uh, like CGI or anything to like enhance those sequences that I can tell. Um, they're just like it, it all just feels organic and natural. Mm. Um, so I'm getting the, a genuine sen- genuine sense of fear um, for some of those uh, finale uh, sequences. And so I was I was impressed that it, it got that kind of reaction out of me. So nice. Um, yeah, definitely don't see it at home. Go see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, so here's the trailer for Mission Impossible Fallout. There cannot be peace without first a great suffering. The greater the suffering, the greater the peace. The end you've always feared is coming. Blood will be on your hands. I pray to God that it wasn't true. Solomon Lane escaped in Paris. And now the world is at risk. This is the CIA's mission. You use a scalpel. I prefer a hammer. is a bad idea is it ever a good one honestly he's not just some observer he's an assassin i don't trust anybody outside of this room you go rogue he's been authorized to hunt you down and kill you that's the job no hard feelings which way benji turn left what are you waiting for? I'm jumping out a window! Oh, sorry. Good luck. When the clock stops, Ethan Hunt will lose everyone he ever cared about. You don't understand what you're involved in. You need to walk away. Maybe we need to reconsider that. Accept it, Ethan. You've lost this one what's done is done. What's done is done when we say it's done. 
Showtime. Oh my god. I hope you played the one with the Imagine Dragons song. No. <laughs> we played... Get down with the friction! Before the movie came out, we played the trailer for this movie so many times, <laughs> and it was that one, so, yeah. Um, We're done with that one. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, well, I, I guess I'm curious, since you can't pinpoint it yet, we won't know, but, like, I'd be curious to know eventually what you found lacking in this one. It might be nothing. I'm just, I don't know. Maybe just thinking about it too hard, or I, there's, I guess it's, there's not like a single sequence that's like you know, uh, you know uh, scaling the 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 tower in Ghost Protocol. Um, like they don't treat they don't really treat the. Well, I'd actually I'd make an argument for the uh, uh, helicopter, but it's crosscut. Actually, that's frustrating. Uh, that might be it because in the trailer. They show that that helicopter rushing towards a truck on the highway, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm going to the movie thinking like, I wonder how that gets resolved, and that's not in the movie until the ultimate director's cut. Yeah. <laughs> At least two. So years now I'm just later. left wondering like, what was is was that like an Avenger style misdirect, or was that something that was part of the story that I do have to wait for the bonus features to find out? B-roll footage. This movie is long, so maybe they had to trim out something. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, I'm I, the one scene that looked like it might have been heavily enhanced, but I don't think it was. Just based on the way it was shot, was them jumping out of the plane to land on top of the building in Paris, which I'd make an argument for that being a standout piece because it, there's this incredible moment in it, and I know it probably is more than likely enhanced by CGI because of what they have to do in that sequence. But he's trying to grab onto Cavill's uh, uh, suit to, like, re- refix it or something like that. And then you just hear, like, are you okay? And then the sound cuts out and the big lightning strikes and it just goes silent. And it, like, made my brain skip a second. I thought it was having a stroke because it was that, like, jarring. But it was beautiful, like, make my heart race action. Um, and I'll, I really like the uh, uh, the way they handle... Um, a lot of the car chases in this one. Some of them just like seem like it was one of the regrets I had not seeing an IMAX because some of them just feel like you you need to be sitting in the middle of that giant IMAX screen and watching him going down the road like that. Um, like it's just kind of the way he's swerving in and out on that motorcycle. Sometimes it's it, it's it's beautiful. Um, but story wise, I, I I liked I liked this one because I I'm assuming Rogue Nation is a big setup for this one because I still haven't seen that one yet. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so I I basically well the whole all the Ilsa Faust stuff you're probably yeah. lost on. Not no, nah, I was able to catch up on it pretty quickly. At first, I thought she looked incredibly like Michelle Monaghan, but I was having face blindness <laughs> throughout the entire thing until that was cleared up for me in the third act. Yeah, I'm, uh, a, little, I'm a little disappointed because I I, I I I appreciated that it felt like um, it was nice to add a platonic you know uh, female character to the team. Like mm-hmm. th- they've been there before, but. This one has more to do, mm-hmm. um, and now that they're kind of making her a romantic interest, I'm a little disappointed in that. Turned off by it, because um, that in Ghost Protocol, that was Paula Patton's character essentially, wasn't it? Or not Paula Patton? Who was the 
who was the female uh like heroin and ghost protocol i can't remember i forget yeah but she was not really like a love interest so much as a just an asset to the yeah, team just, yeah just yeah just there um whereas in, in rogue rogue nation like ilsa's connection to solomon lane is a driving force in the in the story rich and it's interesting not having seen rogue nation yet i was able to pick on it just fine so i don't think it's going to isolate anybody who wasn't able to catch rogue nation prior to this uh enough of the information is given to you i think like the, the, the key kernels are given to you to make your bowl of popcorn there um uh, also alec baldwin gone before i even got to see him the first time but he goes out in a badass way i I've never watched the TV show, but is that a thing in the TV show where they kill off all the the heads of the IMF? Like, I don't. I, I in most movies, tally, count yeah. off, like, <laughs> how many IMF secretaries are going to be killed? Yeah. yeah, I don't know about that, but uh, I, I liked Baldwin's uh, interrogation moment when uh, 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 when he uh, when <laughs> I think it's Cavill turns and points the gun at him and it doesn't shoot and whatnot. He's like, "Oh, and you You're were doing, doing so well." well. <laughs> Uh, that's another cool thing about the movie is there's a lot of cool twists and turns. Yeah. Um, that they, although in the first, after the bathroom scene and they say like, oh, you need this wristband to get through security. Mm -hmm. And so he gets us through security, talks to the white widow and then, um, like walkers in the room and like that immediately gives away for me that he is who he is. John yeah. Lark. Well, I, I, I knew from the get go that it was a bad guy cause he had the mustache that he wasn't allowed to take off. Well, like, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was thinking about that. I think that they wanted to give him facial hair so that it would, like, kind of um, juxtapose him away from being Superman or being a hero. It's like, it's a different image. Oh, it definitely juxtaposes him being different from Superman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's something different. But I, I think that that's part of the reason why they wanted to have him. Yeah, yeah, they, they didn't appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of my friends uh, is a... Is a podcaster in la post checked into the movie on facebook and he said this mustache better be magical <laughs> <laughs> and i commented like well like did it save the day and he said the mustache plays and i was like i hope it gets a spinoff <laughs> um you, you know like my my little brother and i were joking too we're like like it, it was so integral like at the end it's like it's because he like Ethan is hanging him by his mustache, but then the mustache peels off like one mask. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, all that. Yeah, that'd be really funny if he has one of those IMF masks where like he peels it off and it's like mustacheless. <laughs> yeah, like that's the only change. <laughs> yeah, it's still his face. Yeah, you just gonna see a bunch of like people from DC in the room going like motherfucker, <laughs> showing your true face, John Lark. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and incidentally, if if uh, Mondo ever does a poster for this movie, I think the best uh, artistic image in my mind to do it would be after Ethan saves the day and he's like leaning clo or lying close to the edge of that fucking cliff, just like taking a bunch of breaths because it's just a beautiful image. Yeah. Mm. But also that part where he flips John Lark over and he just misses the detonator. Oh yeah. On yeah, the yeah. Edge. Yeah. yeah. Like you're expecting it to get knocked off and it doesn't. Mm -hmm. and like, oh. Yeah, it was intense. And they brought yeah. back that climbing thing that he did in two uh, at the beginning of two. He but they brought back his climbing skills, which I'm like, that's cool. Like, like climbing on rocks, not buildings. Yeah. But uh, like this, this that cliff sequence is pretty fucking amazing. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> there was a moment where I thought that uh, uh, so the helicopters have already crashed into the snow, 
and uh, uh, I think it's Cavill's sitting there, and he doesn't realize that. His, and he's the the helicopter starts to like toss and turn down the hill. And at first, I thought there was going to be a shot cut to a shot outside of Tom Cruise rolling it, going, "Give me the detonator." <laughs> Which would have been amazing, but no, and then it's just they both crash. It'd be pretty other. strong too, I guess. That'd be awesome. Like, well, as we've learned through this movie and other movies in the series, Tom Cruise is kind of a superhero, <laughs> like in his own right. Yeah. Uh, that man runs beautifully, and he does it really well in this film, as he does in most. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say this is the best running job he's done because I think Ghost Protocol is the one I remember the most. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, I like Simon Pegg in this one a lot too. Uh, I like that. The the whole impetus in his character side journey is that he's trying to become a more active member of the team um, in terms of like action stuff. Well, again, you've missed Rogue, no- Rogue Nation, so mm. yeah, well, he's, again, ar- yeah. he's already doing that. Oh, yeah. Okay, mm. well, um, and then um, I didn't realize like because Ving Rhames isn't in Ghost Protocol, so um, seeing him back was fun. Uh, I uh, but again, I'm sure he's in Rogue Nation, and I'm again, I need I have it sitting on the desk right now. Um, I was, I was, yeah, I really like this. I think you should watch it. It's kind of like a Fury Road in the sense that, like, you should watch it in the theater on the best screen possible to kind of get the full scale of it. And it's, it's long enough that it does feel like a fun, thrilling event and not just like a quick flash in the pan. Yeah. Uh, 3D, though, I, I don't think you need to. Um, everything looked 3D, but there was nothing that, like, jumped out that made you, like, oh, wow. Well, I'm sure this is the best way to see this. I'm sure, if anything, it was a post conversion, so it wouldn't have been essentially. Yeah, especially the first dream dream sequence. It felt very cardboard cutouty, but after you know he wakes up, everything else feels. That that might be a stylistic choice, though. Um, Well, I'm sure he shot it on film because that thing looked had the grain and the texture to it, even without uh, uh, seeing it in IMAX. Like you could you could just tell, especially if you're close enough. Yeah, other than that, like when the rocks fall through the hell, like when the helicopters are stuck wedged in the mountain. Oh yeah. The rocks falling, they fall towards the, the lens. Um, and then the hook when it flips out. Oh yeah. Oh, that, that, <laughs> that damn hook not holding on anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, like not once, but twice it caught like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Pretty lucky. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I just, I watched <laughs> a lot of, uh, before, before viewing this, I was watching a lot of interviews with Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill about, uh, the movie and stuff, and I just like, you know, Tom Cruise is crazy, <laughs> but he is so interesting. Like him spending a year and a half learning how to fly a helicopter for this movie, <laughs> and it just like, you know, I mean, of course he's got the money to do that, but it's just yeah. like, it's wow. not even, but it's not even the money. It's like the the the, the avid like enthusiasm that that man yeah. possesses. Yeah, it's it's like part of his charm, like. He's very charismatic, and it's because he is kind of that go-getter kind of person. He loves making movies. Yeah, his thetan levels are off the charts, man. <laughs> man <laughs> you know, I, I had to I, do it. I was talking about that. Like, like he, you would almost say he's the most interesting man in the world, but it's like you would sit and have a conversation with him, and you know he'd be talking to you, telling him about stories about flying a helicopter or whatever, but then he'd be like, so, Dianetics. And you'd be like, oh, man, he just ruined it. <laughs> he's so, here's, he's the, here's the thing. Like, it. I, it's not the most prevalent part of his life for me. But it's definitely it's there, and like it was an it was a it was a very prolific issue in the early two thousands for people. Um, but like even talking in the film club thread, 
like there was a lot of love for cruise films like all over all across the board in different capacities like i have like a favorite cruise film from like the past three each in the past three decades magnolia um tropic thunder and then uh, color of money so you know like and i love his action films but like I, I love it when he acts like he's a really good actor he saw it like his his scene when he's confronting his father in magnolia is amazing uh and him uh yelling in uh, yelling via skype to hit for the key grip to hit a director in the face in Tropic Thunder is one of the very, one of the single best deliveries I've ever heard in film. <laughs> hit him in the face really fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> Anything else, uh, Emil? Yeah. Uh, thoughts about? on Fallout? Thoughts on Fallout, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, you're just saying that you thought something was missing, and I feel like, though it was a simple story, like the whole like motivation for everything. I still feel like there's a lot in the movie that you're like, you know, this whole plan could have fallen apart so easily. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, definitely could have fallen apart easily. And there's a lot. And I'm just like, you know, some of it makes sense. Like when they got the, the uranium in the beginning, like why didn't they just kill the team then? Like, you know, if they're behind them uh, and then you find out it's because um, Solomon wants them alive. But it's just like there's just so many things in it, like uh, Henry Cavill trying to set up um, Ethan as being John Lark and stuff, and I feel like that was really that was set up in a very fragile way. Like I feel like it didn't really make a whole lot of sense at how he was trying to do that. I know if he, if he doesn't take out that guy in the bathroom, then the plan goes nowhere. Yeah. Um. The the scene where he's talking to Bassett. Um, like can kind of like setting up the frame job almost felt too revealing for me. Cause like when he has that convo, having seen six mission possibilities at this point, I'm like, Oh, Oh, he's going to, he's the traitor. So the, 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 the turn that they do in, uh, in the interrogation room with Solomon lane or who you think is Solomon lane kind of falls flat for me. Like what, but what Alec Baldwin does afterwards doesn't, but like the reveal itself kind of feels like, well, I knew this, like, you didn't have to you already wasted that in another scene way earlier on and like from from that moment on everything he did for me was kind of like i get it you're you're portraying everybody but let's see where this goes anyway cuz uh people are going to like crash into things and it's going to be fun uh but if i if i could pick a weak moment in the film that would be it but i don't even think it counts because at the end of the day we're six movies in. I I should know going in, at having only having seen a majority of them, that everything's going to be pretty obvious. <laughs> I will say Ethan does not have good luck with helicopters. No, From, constantly betrayed. Has no has no good history with flying things. <laughs> yeah, can't keep a wife. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that too. Yeah, that was that was surprising because they spent three movies building up that that was working out and then all of a sudden this one it's just like the rugs pulled out from my knee and like yeah no somewhere between the the last one that that fell apart well no i mean in ghost protocol at the very end you know you find out that uh jeremy renner's character brant he was in charge of protecting her and they thought that she was dead or he thought that she had died but then at the end ethan explains you know no like we hit her like i'm the one who should be protecting her and stuff and we hit yeah. her and I, I would have liked to have seen how much different the movie would have been if Jeremy Renner were available. Right. Like what he would have added to this movie. I think it would be really interesting. Yeah. I'd like to see him come back. Yeah. Because he's been missing. 
I mean, he's been missing he to, from a he, lot of things. Yeah. He had he had to play tag with his friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, don't nothing like a good game of tag. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. He's really good at tag, though. Yeah. Um, really it, good. I also kind of like sucks that John Renault was killed as the bad guy in, in the first one, uh, as one of the bad guys in the first one. But like, if it was, this was a Fast and the Furious scenario, find a way to resurrect him because I haven't seen him in anything lately, and I kind of want that to change. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that the White Widows were related to the Vanessa Redgrave character from the first one? Yeah, someone uh, Dan explained that to me actually because we ended up being at the same screening on uh, uh, on Sunday. Um, but like, I, I caught a, a glimpse of it, but I didn't think about it, and then Dan confirmed it for me, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. That I'm I'm glad I rewatched the first one then because that, that that did ring a bell, but I didn't really kind of like. There's so much stuff happening that's more regarding previous films that are more recent that it didn't really register with me right away. Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't know until I read about it. Yeah. So, uh, but the actress they got to play her is really cool. Uh, she's she's got a defining look to her, striking uh, woman. So anyway, yeah. Well, choose things. Uh. I just want to say thank you guys again for allowing me to come on as a guest. Thank you very yeah, much, Emil, for, for sitting down and chatting with us. Um, remind everybody again where we can find you on YouTube. I, my YouTube channel is Virgio1228. That's mm-hmm. V-I-R-G-E-O. Mm-hmm. Um, got 12,300 subscribers as of today, I think, so I'm looking mm-hmm. to get more. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, check it out. I'd love to hear from anyone out there. Leave me a line. Leave me a comment. Something. Nice. Awesome. Cool. Uh, I guess next week you guys are going to go see Christopher Robin. Oh yes, like the 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 AKA Kleenex the movie for me. I just handkerchief the movie. You need to find a screening where there's no one at it, so you can just cry, cry in the back, cry terribly hard, and not be embarrassed. Yeah, you could invent yeah. the cry helmet. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine him with like a, a a goldfish globe around his head, and it's just all fogged up. You just kind of hear like a muffled like. <laughs> Can I tell you guys the greatest story from my moving going experience? Sure. sure. It, it was actually when I went to see The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. And despite how bad that movie was, it was a good experience because everyone dressed up. A lot of people dressed up. We went to the midnight showing. I love the, the show and everything. And when we get there, there's a guy dressed as Uncle Iroh. Mm-hmm. And he's got the big belly, right? I think it's part of a costume. The lights go down. The guy turns around and goes, Do you guys want to slice a cake? Opens his belly up. He had snuck a whole cake into the movie, and each of us got a slice of cake. How did he it, keep the icing from, like, smearing? I, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I just know that I had a delicious piece of cake, and it, I mean, it didn't offset how bad the movie was, <laughs> but it's made it a little bit better. It eased <laughs> me into it a little bit. Brad, this, this that, is tolerable. Brad, <laughs> so now, so we already, we've already established that I'm a fat ass, right? Well, you just need cakes in, in your stomach. No, no, see, here's the thing, though. No. I'm going to get thin, but we won't post any pictures of my progress. <laughs> so that way I can continue to start sneaking cakes into theaters. <laughs> then you're just going to do your No progress. one will be the wiser. <laughs> one of those like plastic cake containers just drops out of your stomach like at the ticket counter. Like, oh no, uh, I will name it John. <laughs> there, uh, there. Doctor's huh? like, yay, proud father. <laughs> there, there. Hush, hush. <laughs> Uh, cool. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, Thanks, everybody. And thank um, yeah. I hope uh, James and Ryan are back next week because otherwise, this is going to be you. 
Oh, I will. I, I'll, I'll pull a Ryan, a Ryan solo episode. You watch. Be all over the place. I'll have Matty O'Connor call in for a quick guest spot. <laughs> Just two hours of Jack Benny. Oh no no no! I'm not that cruel. I mean, y'all 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 don't need to know the divinity of Jack Benny until you kind of come to it in your own terms. All right. Until next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.